1: He e tēnei nā te reo o uh,
0: you know how you have stereotypes and pigeonholes for people? I kind of live in the cracks of that. I've been accused of not being Asian enough. Uh, I hate coriander. I'm not that passionate about food, as but I I, I should because I'm Asian, you know? There's a whole bunch of... I could, I could make a list of Wait, how... Wait, I mean,
2: you hate coriander? I that's, hate that's coriander. A, that's a direct cancellation I'm right exactly. there. Exactly, see?
0: How Oh my gosh, there was
2: once I really reacted quite strongly.
0: like, please stop talking about why I'm not Asian enough because I don't like coriander.
2: Kiara, this is Voices with me, Raghu Kumar. And that's Wailing Ow. And today's episode isn't about food.
1: Yeah, I had such a great time last night. It was so much fun, um, and I can't wait to do this for the
2: season. Yeah. And it's not about dating either. Well, not exactly anyway. That's Isla Mayo. I'm meeting the ladies a day after their opening night of the play Not Woman Enough, presented by Proudly Asian Theatre, or PAT. It was written by Ling and directed by Shonanda Chatterjee, and it saw a packed basement theatre on opening night. Essentially, the story revolves around three Asian women going through three distinct chapters in their lives as they confront and tackle sexuality and love, illness and attempts to become a mother. It's laugh out loud and confronting and each of their journeys are pretty different in their own right but somehow sit together with a common thread. How did you manage to pack it all in into one play like that? I feel like I've
0: listened and I've, I've absorbed a lot from the world and my friends and the people around me, and looked at the issues that people go through. Um, I'm a lot older than I look. Um, I have a fourteen-year-old, so there are there are peppers of myself in the play, but I'm not going to tell you which it is and which it isn't. <laughs> um, yeah, it's purely observational. That's all I can say. I, I absorbed and sponged the world and put this out. And that's the best way I can describe it because it's basically my frustration with humanity and perspectives and um, and the expectations we have uh, of... Oh, expectations been put on us uh, in many different ways, you know. And my my lens of reading all this media stuff and getting angry and and that's where the idea came from. Yeah, I'm just an angry feminist. <laughs> that's a <shopping>. yeah. <laughs> And I told him it hurts. What hurts? Entwining. What?
2: Ayla Mayo plays Beatrice, who discovers she's ill and finds ways to cope, wading through judgment and the stigma of talking about her body, while her co-actors deal with new, awkward and painful sex, and the other a desperate desire to become a mum. So when you read the script, Ayla, how did it resonate with you? What made you go, yes, let's do this? I
1: mean, I just... I just personally like, well, I, I, I fell in love with the character of Beatrice because she was just so, like, she's so outspoken, she's so out there, and she just doesn't, yeah, she just doesn't care what anyone thinks. I just loved her energy, but just in general, like, the play all together and, this play written by an Asian woman and I know you said it could be played by anyone mm-hmm. but because it was under Pat and the vision of okay these stories are going to be told by three Asian women mm-hmm. especially these topics who, which are so taboo within the Asian community especially sex and your period and just anything to do with your body is, is things that you don't really talk about so I, I found that really exciting because and also really empowering when I read the script I'm like oh my gosh I, I can't wait to, to tell these stories you know, alongside two other powerful Asian um, creatives and to really spark those conversations and to, yeah, to, to shock people as well and family members. and Because these are the conversations we need to be having. Yeah. And these are the issues that people deal with. You know, so many women deal with, but we don't talk about, mm. which is insane. We don't like to talk about our problems. We don't like to show our emotions. There's but, a lot of stigma there. Yes. I just hope that, you know, at least one, one woman in the audience, one Asian woman in the audience will feel heard. And seeing and, and supporting, their yeah. parents to come and watch the exactly. <laughs> seeing their parents to come and watch the show—that's the main thing. Did yeah. your parents come? No, not last night, but they'll be coming on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. But um, how do you feel about that? I'm actually really excited. I'm really, really excited um, for them to come. I'm not—I'm not worried at all. I think it'll go really well, and I, I think they'll—they'll they'll love the, the context of the play.
2: Yeah. And in terms of the community space that basement is, I'm always in awe of how how vibrant that community actually is, and mm-hmm. it's always—you know—it's always completely full on Opening that almost every Tuesday. Your show. It's just, what's your take on that?
1: I've always loved the basement space just because it's so intimate, and it's just like there's just so many. Like, up in, the, up in the green room, there's, like, posters upon posters of, like, all the shows that have happened. Not all the shows, but a lot of the shows that have happened in the past. And, like, you see people, like, familiar faces and just all the art and all the practitioners that have come through. And it's just, like, cool, they've been in this space, and now it's my turn. Oh, it's my turn. And it's just so exciting to be able to be held um, in that way as well. And even before going on stage, like, when um, it was, like, a blackout and we're about to come on, you just hear the audience clapping already. And we haven't even come on stage, which is so nice, and just we feel really supported. And we had such a great turnout. Like um, I'm so yeah so grateful for the community that came through especially especially like seeing so many of like Asian creators and Asians in the audience like coming to support this work and, and obviously like loved ones as well. It's it's always the best feeling. Um, you know, before going on stage, I'm in my head I'm like, you know what? Let's tell these stories. Let's tell these stories for those who need to hear it.
2: Malaysia Bon Lang normally works with film and is best known for her horror films. So this was a bit of a diversion from her norm, and developing the idea for theatre was a journey in itself.
0: i got to say, and I say this a lot, that I appreciate Proudly Asian Theatre putting out initiatives because coming from Malaysia, this is, like, non-existent to me. And so in this country, having uh, that opportunity to do that, and thanks to my parents and their struggles, being allowed to be in this space, and, and also I didn't go to school here, so... So I didn't have that expression or the practice of um, s- speaking your opinions, I guess. Um, this is kind of my way of doing it without being interrupted. <laughs> I call New Zealand my enabler. Um, there would be no way I'd be in this industry, the creative industry, if I wasn't in New Zealand. Um, and I would say the initiatives that all the different funding bodies have given has uh, prompt me to go, yeah, you can do this. And I, I'm I'm anchored by not returning to poverty because that's where my parents came from. So I only do things if there's kind of a monetary gain, <laughs> or there's some sort of money I can justify to myself, to give myself permission. And in the film and TV industry where I predominantly live in, that's been... Um, I, I've been able to somewhat make it happen. In theatre, I've been going, OK, I'll play and I'll just make a mess of it and see what comes out you know and that's the the beauty of theater is the experimentation of it when I wrote it it, it is quite amorphous and I'm so glad that Sandy the director brought it to another level up kind of thing because I didn't know how I would do this without probably Asian theater and that kind of pathway I don't think this this play would have been possible because I don't know what it looks like for others and I didn't go to theater school, acting school. I didn't go to any school which is related to what I'm in right now. So I'm, like, grateful for that, that, um, those guidance around there. I tell the same to people, I was considered an average Asian. I couldn't get into the local universities. And my parents, my mother, was desperate for me to get an education, a university education. So she looked high and low for a place to go to. So I actually landed in Manukau Institute of Technology in the mid-1990s and worked at... Uh, Papa Otara um, McDonald's and lived in Papa Toy Toy. so to prefix all of this, my parents won scholarships to come to New Zealand. They're really smart and I'm the oldest, so there's a lot of expectations and it didn't happen that way so so I, I'm used to living outside the expectations and my so it's great that my parents just reduced expectations going just get just get a um, a degree and we'll be fine kind of thing you know yeah. <laughs> My instinct is always to push boundaries and to see things differently and to offer something that no one's seen before. There's no censorship. I'm not particularly religious either, so if the brain goes there, it will go there. Um, And it's kind of served me to a degree in the creative line because there are a couple of short horror films I have online and they're, uh, they're sitting at 16 million views and 3 million views, which is born from... The non-censorship of my brain. So I strongly encourage people to live within the dissonance of yourself, you know, because that's where the gold and the diamonds of creative and your actual voice sits. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's uncomfortable. It's um, constantly questioning your existence, <laughs> but that's where, where the gold is. Um,
2: Filmmaker Hui Ling Ao talking about her recent play, Not Woman Enough, alongside actor Ayla Mayo. My name is Kadambri and every week I bring you a story from around New Zealand, featuring people from around the world living here. Follow The Voices podcast on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio and everywhere else you get your pods from. We're also on the RNZ website where you can find tons of other RNZ podcasts too. Today's episode was mixed by Jeremy Veal. Thanks for listening.